Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to OsteoCast. You have your three favorite hosts here, Sarah, Amanda, and Colby. And Hello. we're here to... Hey, and we're here to talk to you today about what happens when you break a bone, tear a muscle, what that recovery process is like, and how that ricochet effect will go throughout the body, um, as well as talk about some myth that you may have heard growing up regarding kind of breaking bones and the healing process involved with that. So we're going to start us off by giving you an example. Uh, so let's say you're going, it can be any type of sport, skiing, skateboarding, God forbid, even just walking down the road, and you end up breaking your femur bone, which is the big thigh bone in your leg. So oftentimes you will go to the hospital, they will reset that bone if they need to, they will put a cast around that leg, and they will leave you be for up to six weeks, depending on the medical advice. Um, So what does that look like for a healing process, as well as how does that affect everything under that bone and above that bone? Yeah, so basically you you broke your bone, so obviously that femur is not going to function properly, and then everything that it connects to and from is going to lose its proper function. So your main joints in the area are going to be your knee and your hip. But then it also depends on the kind of fracture, which of course is not our scope. But if the fracture itself is something simple that heals quickly, that's different opposed to if it's like commuted and it tears apart some muscle and stuff. And there's also a muscular component to the healing, possibly nerve as well. Um, But it's the big point is that if you break your femur in half, you're going to lose some level of function of the hip as well as some level of function of the the knee and then it's going to go up and downstream so you're going to have changes in the ankle through the pelvis all the way up to the to the neck essentially because there's going to be a change in either length of the femur or strength of the femur or sometimes it'll heal with a rotation in it it depends if it's set properly Exactly. And as well to mention uh, how, which Colby did say, but how that will affect the other leg. So you're putting so much more weight on that opposite hip now through the opposite ankle, knee. Um, If you're using crutches, the weight you're putting through the armpit, through the axilla. Uh, We'll have to post a photo of the axilla for you guys to show you how much runs through the armpit area and how important that area is to make sure it is a fatty area for a reason because it has lots of insulation to allow nerve conduction to happen and get those fibers down to where they need to go. Well, not to mention that you're leaned over, generally speaking, if you're on a set of crutches um, or leaned forward. So it completely changes your center of gravity too. So you're now creating that during that healing phase, you're creating a new pattern or a different pattern of compensation, which might be exacerbated by something that was previously there or might make something a little bit worse um, if that doesn't get kind of taken care of as you're you're going through your healing process. Well, looking at the healing process, when you talk about that, obviously you're going to have the the break in the femur, whatever other soft tissue damage, et cetera, that comes with that. Um, But part of the healing process when it comes to osteopathy is we obviously have to leave that leg alone until we've been cleared medically to start to do some work or to make sure it's, it's helpful. Um, But immediately after that break, as soon as it's been set, there's no reason why we can't uh, treat the torso, upper limb, et cetera, to make sure that 
the loading is proper, as Amanda just mentioned, with crutches, et cetera, to keep the other leg and pelvis as healthy as it can. But keeping those things healthy and moving properly is important in the nature that that's where the blood flow and the neurology that will control the healing process is going to come from. And making sure there's good, healthy blood getting to that leg so it can heal, as well as good nerve conduction, good nerve control, telling it to, to regrow the bone, essentially. And then um, with that, the consideration that there's going to be excess fluid inflammation, et cetera, that also has to get out and there has to be some drainage from the area. Um, medically on the other side, they might consider things. I know I don't, it doesn't quite fall into our practice, but making sure that as you're going through that healing process, that the femur when it's safe to do so is still being challenged to some extent because you want the, basically the direction, the fiber direction or the, the bony direction of the actual bone cells and tissue to go in the right direction in order to be as functional as possible later on, which, I mean, that part's not our scope of practice, but it's important to note that as the bone regrows or as a the muscles in the area regrow, they need to be challenged. Otherwise, the scar tissue and the bony tissue will just be kind of in a spider web all over the place instead of aligned and functioning like the rest of it. So in saying that, Colby, how do you make sure um, from a treatment perspective those things like say someone didn't come in for treatment while they were, they, they broke their leg, didn't come in for treatment. So after the fact they're they're they come into you, let's just say six to eight months after that, what are some considerations for treatment? Um, knowing maybe that some of that stuff might be an issue. Well, it's just like any other treatment we're going to do. We're going to go through a full assessment and see how the body's functioning, but having the, the thought process that that did break, having some, uh, information from the patient is always important. Sometimes that comes in the form of imaging or doctor's notes, et cetera, to see what kind of fracture it was and how that fracture healed. Having subjective feedback from the patient, uh, again, about how that healing process went. But then looking to see the loading pattern and say, okay, well, what did this cause? Is the the body loading equally on both legs? Is there a rotation through the hip or through the knee on one leg versus the other? Is there a loading side bending to the side on the body where they're loading, you know, 65% of their weight on one side versus the other? And at the six to eight month mark, you're looking to see, first of all, the global picture thing. So how can we get this body centered first? And then if the bone has already healed and the process has already occurred where those, those tissues and structures are already going in one direction, you can't necessarily change that at that point in time, but what you can do is you can develop good loading patterns so that if anyone's heard of it, Wolf's Law or what Wolf's Law is, is essentially tissues will grow in the directions that they're challenged, that forces go through them. So if you can correct the loading pattern so that the leg and hip and knee, everything that's involved in it works properly, the body will slowly over time regenerate its tissue to align properly and to do the best work that it can, given that the process has not gone too far. The biggest thing with an injury in terms of the healing process is it's all about time. If you have too much time or not enough time, those are both problems in terms of the healing process. If it's gone too far and already healed in the wrong position, then you may have trouble ever regaining that that ability to do movements or that ability to have those positions. Yeah, exactly. And just to note too, we're not saying to not go see your medical doctor. Of course, you need to go to your doctor when you hurt yourself, when you break a bone, you need to get medically assessed. You need to go through the imaging, get the cast, get the plates, whatever they have to do to reset that bone. We're just suggesting that it's also a really good idea to get treatment as soon as you can for all the reasons Colby mentioned. You will heal 
faster and long-term you will feel better overall and you won't be dealing with this broken bone that you happened 10 years ago and is still aggravating you, you know, down the line. Well, that's what we work alongside with the those physicians. So that medical component is completely up to them. And once the patient's been cleared by the physicians or the medical community, then that's when we can look at where, where we come into play. And sometimes it has to do with the relationship between a practitioner and the physician. If you have a better relationship with those physicians and they understand what we do and how things work, then there's a higher potential of working with patients earlier on in that process, which right now, I mean, is something I think that as a profession, we can be very helpful at, um, but we have to make sure that those, those communication pathways and those integrations are in place so that we can help patients when they're in need. I agree completely. 100%. So Amanda, you wanted to talk about um, some myth that you heard growing up, uh, that when you break a bone, it will grow back stronger. Yeah, so that's just something I heard when I was growing up. Um, and I think when I think about it now, I mean, when you break a bone, there's tissue that's going to be lined on either side of it where the break was, let's just say, for example, um, that makes things thicker. And maybe that's why, you know, that's been something that's been said. It's going to grow back stronger. You know, there's more tissue there. It's going to be supported. Um, but once the anatomy has changed osteopathically, um, it always looks... <laughs> Um, things are always going to have a different pattern. It's never going to go back to exactly the way, the way things were prior, prior to that injury. Um, that's always a consideration we have to take it, take when people come into the office. So it's important to look for, um, like Colby was saying, how was the healing process or how was your pregnancy or, you know, how did that injury happen? We have to take that whole health history into account. Um, because if we don't, we might be missing something or we might not understand why something doesn't move the way that it's presenting. Um, or it helps us set an expectation for, you know, where treatment can go and what, what might take longer or what might take a shorter time to heal. Yes. You really well fucking said. terrible. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> Making me lose my train of thought. <gasps> <gasps> Go ahead, Sarah. 1016. Well, now I now we lost our flow. Why'd you swear? Sorry. Just came out. Who is that? Sorry. I can't turn my computer volume off because it mutes you too. Pause and I'll start talking again. So I always think it's interesting when you hear those things um, growing up or whether they're myths or they're um, just kind of things you hear or people say, it's always interesting to look at them from a different perspective when you maybe have a little bit more information um, and kind of look at it critically and, and come to a conclusion as to what that might be. But Critical thinking in the anatomy is, is essentially what osteopathy is. We're looking at how the body works and then we're critically thinking around that and thinking like what's going on. And yeah, there's all kinds of stuff we heard when you were younger and even, even systems that we thought was the best, like, like rest, ice, compression, yeah. elevation, like the rice stuff. Like now it's been proven in research that that's not the best thing to do when you have a, an acute injury. So you have to like things change over time and just having that, that thought process and keeping up to the times is a good thing to do with it. But um, one thing that was kind of being mentioned there is um, just about the fact that 
your body will never function the same again when you have a catastrophic injury. So in terms of expectations for a patient and or for a practitioner, like obviously we want to have the most optimal function that we can, but if you completely snap your femur in half and it's sticking out the side of the leg, that femur is not going to function the exact same as it ever did before because it will lose some level of its if it's movement ability if it's at the joint level above and below or if it's like the actual tensile strength where the femur has the ability to twist or bend a little bit because there's rods and pins in it that will limit it from doing so or another example let's say that you have a, a client or a patient in your office who's had a like a colostomy has a colostomy bag and part of their colon's been taken out well Obviously, that's never going to function properly again because that part of the colon has gone. So there's going to be an issue with um, digestion and absorption and assimilation. But also, like that patient's body will never function optimally again because of that change. So it's important as a patient as well as a practitioner to have the understanding that if any of those catastrophic injuries or surgeries or things like that occur, that the expectations have to be that it won't be perfect can be as good as it possibly can as as well as it can function with what you have to work with as a, as a person but it's never going to be the same as when all of those things are working properly exactly and well even just to mention like pins plates screws wires mesh anytime those are put into the body and just keep using the femur as an example it it changes the way that force goes in and out of your body at that point because force isn't distributed the same when those things are in place um, as if you had regular, I don't want to say regular anatomy, but normal anatomy prior to that injury, it, yeah. it changes. Well, not so. to mention, like when you have any sort of incision or other things like that, the fascia and the lamella will like, and the collagen fibers will actually like spiral down and basically pinpoint around those incision points and whatnot, which obviously treatment can be extremely beneficial for that. But that's going to change how the fascia works. It's going to change how the fascia pulls on the structures above and below and throughout the body. So you have to consider when you're looking at something or when you have a patient that's had, you know, uh, they're in an accident and they, they broke their femur again, for an example, 25 years ago. Well, if that wasn't dealt with properly, which at that point in time, they weren't thinking about the fascia even at all and how that will help. And you have to look at those components and see, you know, there's 25 years of fascial compensation and fascial fibrosis in this area that has to be taken care of in order to free the hip when they come in complaining of, you know, shoulder pain and that shoulder connected to the hip, et cetera. Right. So I think it's important to, to realize when you have an injury like that, it'll never be the same, but also as a practitioner to understand how the histology will change and how that affects the global system. 100%. 100%. Just to highlight that word expectation that Colby mentioned, um, it's really important to set those expectations uh, as a patient, as a practitioner, um, and again, going over the history of the injury and seeing how your body's reacting to treatment. It's, um, you know, we understand you're coming in for treatment and you expect to feel better ASAP because maybe your friend did. But again, you have different anatomy. You've had different injuries that have occurred. Um, and treatment's going to look different for you just based on those items alone. I thought you were going to highlight histology, not expectations. I was so excited <laughs> for you to talk about histology. <laughs> No, we're going to highlight expectations. No one really wants to hear about <laughs> histology. Okay, then. But sorry. We'll show you a cool photo of fascia. Whoever doesn't know what histology means, it just means like the structure of the cells or structure of the tissues. can. Or that's what it means. So the histology changes. The cells or the structure of the cells are changing. 
Colby will find you a fun photo of that. Uh, we'll post it on our Instagram. Yes. A little, a little bit on the histology <laughs> side. Whenever you have a scar, so any type of surgery, any type of change to the body, um, it's going to have to become more fibrotic, and the tissues are going to layer down and thicken to create that scar tissue, as they say, uh, to close up that gap, to find that healing there. So even anything that's been opened and changed. That scar tissue going back to the fascial layer, that's going to have to be dealt with and worked through to see long-lasting changes and changes on a bigger level than you might see uh, just dealing with the bony articulation alone. Well, just you mentioned the word layer, Sarah, and that's exactly what this this process kind of is, especially if you've had an injury or an, an old injury um, or a pattern that you followed for many years, maybe... Um, you know, you were a line worker somewhere and you were always turning to the left. Um, those patterns kind of have to be worked through and making sure that they move both ways back and forth. Um, and sometimes when you take one or two layers out, there's still many layers underneath that. So it's not just as simple as let's just clean up that top layer, um, make sure that works well, or just make sure the, the bony structure moves. Hi, Jack. Um, Jack is Colby's dog. The puppy's getting all crazy and excited. Oh, he wants some attention. But uh, also just making sure we take care of what's underneath, which also might be leading back to why reoccurring or chronic or chronic flare-ups, sorry, acute flare-ups of chronic issues come about, which I think we talked about in another podcast. Um, There's just so many factors. I don't don't know if it was the last one or two ago, yeah. But uh, there's just so many factors to, to take into account, and that's why everybody is so different and treatment is so individual. And if it's not individual... Um, then we're really not clearing up that problem. We might, you know, be able to take care of 50, 60, 70% of it, but those last few things or that nitty gritty won't, won't go away unless treatment is, is individual for what's there, what's presenting. And it takes time, right? If something's been there for 12 years, it's not going to go away in five treatments and your body needs time. Your health bank bank account needs time. The cells take six months to turn over. They need time to regenerate and allow the different layers of the body to change um, and a really long-term improvement. Without getting into a full treatment for it, it's histology, right? Like the histology of those tissues that changes based on the compensation and the injury process has to change and that takes time. So the histology with proper blood flow, proper nerve control, proper everything else takes time and it will get better. Exactly. And that's the most frustrating part. I'm sure you guys find that with clients too, right? Is that they just want, they just want things to be better as soon as possible or they want to, they ask, Oh, well, when can I go back and do this? Because this is what I used to be able to do. And this is what I want to be able to do. Um, and sometimes it's not that simple. Yeah, exactly. When can I work out? When can I do this? When can I do that? Yeah. All right. Great talk guys. Anyone have anything else they'd like to add? Nope. Jack's saying goodbye to everyone. Bye Jack. (laughs) Hope you've learned a lot about how the body heals and the importance of getting treatment. Uh, the moment you have injury, once you have medical clearance and also expectations for a treatment when you've had old injuries and how that will take time, um, time and patience to really get to the bottom of that and get you feeling better ASAP. Absolutely. Exactly. Awesome. Take care, stay safe, be happy. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.